Hey there, happy Military Monday. It is the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for clicking on. Thanks for subscribing, reviewing, sharing the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Everywhere you can find your podcast, that's where you find the EP Podcasts. Good old Google search, Austin Horton EP Podcast. Find it anywhere you'd like to hear it. Uh, And uh, I'm excited to start another week off with podcasts here on uh, the Zone Sports Network's platforms. Before we get going, I I do always start each and every day with some sports history, this day in sports history. But yesterday in life history was my seventh anniversary to my beautiful bride, Whitney. And we celebrated Saturday night. Uh, My parents were kind enough to watch our little girl while we took out, uh, got takeout of steaks and sat on our duffets and watched a really good movie at home alone for the first time in a long time. And we love being parents. We love hanging out with our little girl. She is the light of our lives and just the happiest, friendliest little uh, child in the world. In fact, on Friday, my aunt was watching her and she took her with her to my cousin's basketball game down in Utah County. And the gym was really silent as it was just before tip-off. The, the teams were in their huddles uh, strategizing. The crowd was quiet. The refs were quiet. Everyone was quiet. And in walked a man. And uh, everyone was really quiet. And he's really tall. And, and my little girl apparently stood up on my aunt's lap and started screaming hi 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 and he finally looked over and engaged her and and smiled and talked to her and said hello it was none other than my friend Thurl Bailey (laughs) so he experienced firsthand how fun it is to be our little girls uh, in our little girls presence but that being said it was nice to have a night with just the wife and I and celebrate seven years of wedded marriage (laughs) seven years of of marriage i I should say i was gonna say wedded bliss but i think i've caused her too many uh sleepless nights and headaches in our time together for it to be seven years of complete wedded bliss but it has been seven years of uh, a wonderful journey that i wouldn't change and i'm so glad that she chose to marry me. I love you, Wit. Thanks for doing that. Uh, and she's my biggest supporter. She's everyone's biggest supporter. But, aha, she's a bigger supporter of mine than yours. Neener, neener, neener. All right, that is today in life history. But today in sports history, June 29, 1905, New York Giants outfielder Archibald Moonlight Graham played one inning in an 11-1 to win over the Brooklyn Superbaz at Washington Park. Graham never got to bat, and it was the only appearance of his career. And if that story sounds familiar, it's because you've seen it and heard it in the movie Field of Dreams. 1983, kind of a sad story, but uh, tip of the cap to Kansas City Chiefs running back Joe Delaney. Uh, He jumped into uh, a river or into a pond, excuse me, uh, as to try and save three children that were screaming for help in Monroe, Louisiana. He, however, did not know how to swim and passed away. He was posthumously given the Presidential Citizen Medal and the Louisiana State Civilian Bravery Award. And June 29th, 1990, Oakland Athletics pitcher Dave Stewart and Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Fernando Valenzuela both threw no-hitters. Stewart's came in a 5-0 win over the Blue Jays at the Sky Dome. Valenzuela's came in a 6-0 victory over the Cardinals at Dodger Stadium. There you go. That's today in sports history for June 29th.
It being a military Monday, we have a lot of sports to get out of the way real quickly so we can spend a dedicated moment or two on uh, Cage Allen, uh, who uh, gave his life for the fight against uh, tyranny and for liberty around this world. A Utah fighter pilot, First Lieutenant Kenneth Cage Allen, who uh, returned to Utah on Friday and to his uh, new, new, just married in February, three days before he took off for England, uh, his, his widow, Hannah. And uh, I want to spend a few moments going around and listening to some of the comments made by and given to the local news outlets here in Salt Lake City as we celebrate uh, First Lieutenant Allen's life. But we do need to do some sports. And I want to start with the Utah Jazz as their official schedule was released for the Orlando situation. And I want to share what Aaron Falk had to say about each and every game coming up for the Utah Jazz. Things will begin uh, for Utah down there in Orlando on July 30th against the New Orleans Pelicans at 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Now, all of these games will be broadcast locally on AT&T Sportsnet and, of course, right here on the radio home of your Utah Jazz the Zone Sports Network. So July 30th, it starts against the New Orleans Pelicans at 4.30 Mountain Time. I'm assuming the pregame will get going around 3.30 that afternoon. Uh, the season series stands at 2-1 for the Jazz. They uh, beat the Pelicans 128-120 on November 23rd. They beat them 128-126 on January 6th and then lost January 16th in overtime 148-132. to Says here, Donovan Mitchell and his fellow Western Conference All-Star Brandon Ingram treated fans to an overtime duel back in January, going off for 46 and 49 points respectively, as they were both aiming for that uh, Western Conference All-Star bid, and they both got it. Ingram and the Pelicans should be motivated as New Orleans fights for the final playoff spot in the West. The matchup could be the Jazz's first regular season look at number one overall pick Zion Williamson. Uh, he's averaging 20, nearly 24 points a game. And he gave Jazz Biggs problems during their one preseason matchup, but has not played in the three games yet against the Jazz this season. August 1st against the Thunder, 1.30 in the afternoon. Jazz have won one and lost one against Oklahoma City. And of course, these two teams were lined up for a battle for the fourth and fifth seed in the Western Conference on March 11th when that game obviously didn't happen. It'll be interesting to see just what uh, the coronavirus pandemic uh, stoppage has done to a veteran-led club like the Oklahoma City Thunder as they take on the Utah Jazz without Boyan Bogdanovich. August 3rd, the Lakers, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Jazz are down in that series, zero wins to two losses. August 5th, the Grizzlies, 12.30 in the afternoon. They lead that series 2-1, to one. Ja Morant. Uh, against Mike Conley there is one to watch. August 7th, they've got the Spurs at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And quizzingly, the Jazz are 0-2 this season against San Antonio. Uh, that, 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 that That's a really good example, in my opinion, of just how hot and cold the Jazz have been this season. There's no real reason they should be 0-2 against a mediocre San Antonio Spurs squad. August 8th against the Nuggets, 1.30 in the afternoon. Jazz have lost both games against the Nuggets so far this year. August 10th, the Dallas Mavericks. Jazz are 2-0 against them this season. And then the regu regular season rather wraps up August 13th against the San Antonio Spurs. No time has been announced yet for that game. 
But if, if you're keeping track at, uh, at home, that's a 4.30, p.m., and 1 TBD on the tip-off times. That's welcome news to uh, a lot of your uh, neighbor, friendly neighborhood jazz producers, hosts, reporters, uh, we, we get to spend time with our family still while we wrap up the NBA season. And look, if they played these games in the middle of the night, we'd be there for you. It's not a matter of not uh, loving our jobs. It's just a matter of that's a perk this time around is we get some afternoon games. We get to go home and see our kids before they go to bed for once. And that's really exciting news. Uh, we'll see how the Jazz do in those eight games as, as we look back over the opponents the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, and the Spurs again. Uh, and just with one back-to-back there, the Spurs on the 7th and Nuggets on the 8th, about 24 hours apart. Uh, this is not an easy eight games for the Utah Jazz, but it's not going to be an easy eight games for really anybody, as this is the 22 best teams, quote-unquote, left in the league this season that are down there in Orlando. And it'll be interesting to see what Quinn Snyder has up his sleeve for a Jazz squad that will have to do without a 20 points per game scorer in Boyan Bogdanovich. Going to have to see Mike Conley uh, bring his offensive game a little bit more than he was uh, most of the season, although he was coming on really strong there late before uh, the pandemic hit. So there you go, the Jazz schedule for at least the regular eight-season game finale there in Orlando. Bit of good slash bad slash good news here. Uh, a third PGA Tour player has tested positive for coronavirus. That's the, the bad news. The good news is that uh, Nick Watney, the guy that tested positive last week, turns out that he was wearing a, a, a thing while he slept called the whoop strap. W-H-O-O-P, whoop strap. And essentially what, what that is, is it's this little bracelet thing. It looks like a Fitbit or a, 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 you know, a fitness watch of some kind, but it's just really a fabric strap that you Velcro around your wrist as you sleep. And what it does is it monitors your heart rate, your every, everything that a Fitbit or anything else measures. But it can, it's been showing tendency to catch coronavirus symptoms before you even realize anything's wrong. And Nick Watney apparently was feeling fine, didn't have any symptoms, went to the, the, the uh, track, went to the golf course, got ready, then the next day popped positive. Well, in the meantime, he went back and checked his data on his whoop strap, and it had ele- uh, elevated or noted that his respiratory breathing at night was elevated, was different, and it was higher. He was working 30% harder to breathe than he usually does. Now, the key to this is that he's always, he always wears a whoop strap. It's not just now that coronavirus is around, he's starting. No, he's, he's had a history of wearing this, so he has something to compare and weigh the results against. And that's one of the doctors uh, who, who's spoken out on this subject is saying, look, these things are, are proving to be helpful in detecting coronavirus early for people who are in really good health to begin with, who are already using these such items. Now, that it calls into question these hour rings that the NBA players are supposed to be wearing down in Orlando. 
It's not a strap around their wrist like the whoop strap. It's a ring on their finger, and it's supposed to detect respiratory changes, heart rate elevations, blood oxygen levels, things of that nature, temperature, obviously, to, to try and catch the coronavirus before they're able to spread it to somebody else. But it, 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 it remains to be, to be seen if the general public would have as much success as these world-class athletes are having with detecting these things early. But one thing's for certain, somebody somewhere is going to come up with a device, an idea, an invention of some kind that will help stem the problems of the pandemic, of the illness itself, of the virus, and they're going to make a gazillion, billion, trillion, congillion dollars, and I think they deserve every penny, and I hope they come up with it in the next hour so that we can all go buy one and enjoy a COVID-free life once again. Until then, though, we got to, as I keep telling you, find a way to live with it. Numbers are high. We're, we're going the wrong direction all across this country, especially right here in our own communities. And so we need to be extra diligent about masking. Wear your mask. I just saw a, a little news report uh, that did a experiment with a Petri dish. One when he was wearing a mask, one when he wasn't wearing a mask, where he sang, he danced, he talked, he yelled, he, he sneezed, and uh, he did it at two feet, four feet, six feet. And then they incubated it for 24 hours, came back and saw what the bacteria on the Petri dishes did. And every time he had a mask on, there was hardly any, if any at all, uh, bacteria showing up on that Petri dish. But without fail, every one of them without a mask on, even at six feet, there was still some bacteria showing up. And the sneezing, it was all bacteria. There was no quote-unquote flesh that was left untouched in that Petri dish without a bacteria on it. So please, wear your mask and be smart and be wise and let's help each other uh, get through this thing together. Final story here before we get to Military Monday. Cam Newton was signed by the New England Patriots over the weekend, and uh, he signed for the veterans minimum of just over $1 million. Now, he's got some incentives in his contract that his earnings could actually get up to around $7.5 million. I don't know exactly what those incentives are, but he's a former NFL MVP who has signed for the veterans minimum. And he's an African-American. And there seems to be a, a, a problem here, in my opinion, and in the opinion of one Richard Sherman, who points out there are so many other quarterbacks who are less gifted than Cam Newton who are making 10 times the money, 15 times the money, 20 times the money that Cam Newton will make with the New England Patriots. And so on USA Today's For the Win uh, sports blog, they've got a collection of uh, quarterbacks here that are going to be making a lot more and are not as talented as Cam Newton. For example, Nick Foles. The Bears are uh, have Nick Foles at $8 million per year over the length of his deal. Uh, a fourth rounder, they, the Bears gave up a fourth rounder for Nick Foles, paying him more money than Cam Newton. Nick Foles is talented. He helped win the Eagles a Super Bowl, but he's not... Uh, as good as Cam Newton, as dynamic as Cam Newton. Taysom Hill, that's going to hurt a lot of BYU, fan, BYU fans' feelings. But Taysom Hill uh, is getting the, the $10.5 million, around $3.4 million a year. Same for Jameis Winston. That's more than Cam Newton. Chase Daniel, by the way, 
His his uh, average every year is four point three five million dollars. His entire contract is more than Jameis Winston and Cam Newton combined. Marcus Mariota. Now I'd rather have Cam Newton than Marcus Mariota, and that's my guy. Even though he was terrible for the Tennessee Titans, but he's got two years at seventeen and a half million dollars from the Raiders. Tua Tagovailoa, a rookie who has a hip the hip of an eighty year old, uh, is making a lot more money as a first-round top-five draft pick, top-ten draft pick, I should say, uh, in the NFL than, t- than Cam Newton. And finally, Teddy Bridgewater making $21 million a year with his deal in Carolina, who, of course, parted ways with Cam Newton to bring in Teddy Bridgewater. So there you go. Kind of ridiculous that some of those quarterbacks listed there are making 10, 15, 20 times what Cam Newton will make. But Cam Newton has a chance to prove himself and get back into the league and, you know, find a a better spot than there in New England if he plays this season and plays well. That brings us to Military Monday here on, of course, the Military Monday episode of the EP Podcast. Each and every Monday, we like to celebrate and honor and pay tribute to our members uh, of our military, women, men, the children that they raise, the, the children who look up to them, their families, their loved ones, their spouses, anybody and anyone who is attached in some way, shape, or form to our military and its sacrifices and efforts is celebrated here each and every Monday on the EP Podcast. And today is a very special episode as First Lieutenant Cage Allen was returned. His remains were returned to Utah on Friday, uh, and they're hoping to lay him to rest on Saturday, the 4th of July, this coming weekend. Uh, He had been married just a few short days before he was uh, transferred to England. His wife, Hannah, was on her way to meet him. When he uh, was lost, missing in action, he, his fighter jet went down and he did not survive. Uh, and I wanted to just play a collection of news reports here around the Valley, ABC4, Fox 13, Channel 2, KUTV, and Channel 5, KSL. There are different various reports on the life that was lived by First Lieutenant Cage Allen. As flags wave in the wind, in almost silent solemnity... Memories of Kenneth Cage Allen rest in his family's hearts. Knowing Cage, he'd want me to tell you a fun one. He pulls out this, like, crisp $1 bill. I bet you this dollar that I can kiss you without even touching you. (laughs) And I start laughing. (laughs) That's one of my most cherished memories was our first kiss. Hannah and Cage were married in February three days before saying goodbye. Then Cage went to England as a fighter pilot for the U.S. Air Force, 48th Fighter Wing, 493rd Fighter Squadron. He said, you know, every time I get in the cockpit, I ask myself, is this my last flight? Or this could be my last flight. And he said, but you know, I found Hannah. 
so it's okay. He, the last thing he told me over text was that they just switched him his flight. The next thing she heard, Cage was missing in action. My heart already dropped because I was like, oh man, like, I don't know. I don't know if what, what has happened. I already kind of assumed the worst. The first lieutenant had wanted to be a fighter pilot since he was four years old and worked his whole life to fill the requirements. Following a family legacy of serving his country, Cage died the day after his 27th birthday. Well, if they had to take my cage, I'm just so thankful he brought us Hannah. Just one week after Hannah received her paperwork to join Cage in England. I hope that I live my life more like he did. Yellen say they do not know what caused Cage's plane to go down and that it is still under investigation. They also say that Cage has always wanted to celebrate the 4th of July with his wife. That's the day they hope to lay him to rest. In Perry, Aaron Cox, Fox 13 News, Utah. In a KSL exclusive, we're hearing for the first time from the family of a Utah airman killed during a training exercise overseas. 27-year-old Lieutenant Kenneth Allen was a fighter pilot for the 493rd Fighter Squadron. And as news specialist Ashley Moser reports, although his life was cut short, his family hopes his love of God, family, and country lives on. The day you get that phone call, it's... My heart shattered. I didn't know like I could do that. Married just four months, Hannah Allen says she's finding comfort in honoring her husband's legacy. Cage was a, a man who loved God. He loved me and he loved his family. Lieutenant Kenneth Cage Allen was killed in a training accident in England last week. The two haven't seen each other since he was deployed in February. Now she and his family are remembering the good he brought to their lives. He made everyone around him feel like they had a special connection with him. He is uh, a person that, that loves his country, loves his fellow man, and didn't waste time. Did not waste time. They say his love for the U.S. Air Force started at a young age. Since he was four years old, he knew what he wanted to be. He knew he wanted to be a pilot. And not just a pilot, but, but a fighter pilot. He wanted to be... Uh, the best he could be. The military legacy is strong in the Allen family. His father is retired from the Air Force. His two brothers are also active duty, also pilots. Allen graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2017, earned his wings in 2018. At age 26, became an F-15 pilot, and just last year gave his family a personal ride in the sky. They say they'll treasure these moments and hope his legacy of service, hard work, and kindness live on. His greatest joy Joy came from making life better for other people. So he really went forth doing good. In Perry, Ashley Moser, KSL 5 News. First Lieutenant Kenneth Cage Allen's body is back in Utah. The 27-year-old fighter pilot died just over a week ago in a training exercise crash off the coast of northern England. This afternoon, ABC4's Jordan Vertadero attended First Lieutenant Allen's procession and joins us now live with details. Jordan. Rick, we've been here for a few hours and the procession for Lieutenant Kenneth Cage Allen wrapped up hours ago. But this afternoon, hundreds of people gathered and drove on this street right behind me, which is 1075 West in Farmington, leading up to the Rustin Mortuary and Creamery or Crematory, excuse me, uh, which was the ending point. Lieutenant Allen was on a routine training mission when his F-15 fighter jet crashed off the coast of northern England. His body arrived in Salt Lake this afternoon. 
followed by a procession to the Russin Mortuary and Crematory. And we spoke to a Gold Star wife. Her name's Mackenzie Fujigami. Her husband, Takeshi Fujigami Jr., also died while on duty. And she told me she went to high school with Cage. And he had a way to make everyone around him feel special. She says it's awesome how the community is supporting him. Utah knows how to celebrate and honor a fallen soldier and I personally can say it's appreciated but I, I think the family of Cage also appreciates it. Lieutenant Allen's funeral is scheduled to be next week on the 4th of July and we'll have more details on ABC4.com. Reporting in Farmington, I'm Jordan Verdadero, ABC4 News. The body of Lieutenant KJ Allen now back on Utah soil. The fighter pilot died overseas. Hundreds of Utahns welcomed him home this afternoon as officers escorted Allen's body to a mortuary in Farmington. Our Michael Lockler joins us live with some of Allen's family members now. Some of the family members have gathered here following the honorable transfer and the, uh, you know, the visit to the mortuary. And I'm joined now by the widow of Cage Allen, Hannah Allen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. What was it like as you now know that the remains are back here in Utah? And what were, what were you and your family talking about at the mortuary just about an hour ago? Uh, it's just kind of a surreal experience, but to see all the love and support that people gave as we drove him and his remains back uh, was uh, breathtaking and there was a lot of tears shed. And Hannah, you were married for just a few days before he went overseas. What would you like people to know about Cage Allen? Uh, I would like people to know that Cage loved God first and foremost. Um, he loved this country and he loved his family. And there are a number of service members in the family. Would you talk about that? Oh, yes. His dad is retired Air Force. He has another brother in the Air Force and another brother in the Army. And so because of that, I've had a great support system navigating all of this. So talk about the kind of man he was and some of the memories that are coming up. Man, Cage is just, he's a quiet do-gooder. I mean, he's not quiet if you knew him in person, very full of life and could capture everybody in the room's attention, but he just went about doing good and so many people have reached out with messages of how he's touched their lives, so it's been awesome. And very briefly, would you talk about the, the poise that you have and kind of how your family is handling this? It's been beautiful to see this afternoon and I'm not sure every family handles grief and loss the same way. Oh yeah, uh, I would say that is due to all the prayers that people have given us and our faith. Um, there's no way we could do it without those things. And Alan, thank you very much thank for taking you. the time. You heard the word mentioned there, poise. Just incredible grace and poise and peace that is being displayed from and shared by Cage Allen's family, his newlywed bride there now is Gold Star Widow. And we, uh, we give our thoughts and prayers and solemn thanks to the Allens uh, for giving us their son and they're, they're not just Cage, but... Their, their lifelong family service in the military and for doing all they can to sacrifice for the better good in our country and our world as we fight for freedom and liberty everywhere. Rest in peace, First Lieutenant Cage Allen, never forgotten. That's going to do it for the EP podcast here on a Military Monday. Thank you for tuning in each and every day. I really do appreciate it. We'll get back on a top 10 Tuesday tomorrow. I'm Austin Horton. Until then, be good to each other.
time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> I'm getting older, which is uh, which is fine. I'm at I'm at that point where I realize uh, I might need glasses uh, for reading. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so I had to make the hard decision. You know, to uh, stop reading. <laughs> yeah, I got colors and shapes down. I'm pretty good. I have the basics. Good. I'm cool with getting older. I knew I was getting older when I started rooting against the kids in scary movies. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Remember how you watch Friday the 13th, Halloween, teenagers do something stupid or rebellious, but you still want them to make it. You want them to live. You're like, run in the barn, he's coming, run in the barn. <laughs> now I'm like, your mom and dad told you not to leave the house. <laughs> This is school night. You're being disrespectful. <laughs> they in the barn, Jason. Go get them. They in the barn. <laughs> Spank them first. They was drinking too. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. But the, the downside of getting older is that you, you, get a point, you get to a point where you realize your mind and body aren't always on the same page. Oh my God. Oh my God, that's where I'm at now. You know what I'm saying? And that's a hard place for dudes to be. I was playing basketball, went to block a shot, because my mind <laughs> said, Ty, go block that shot. You can block that shot. Went to block the shot, my body was like, hey! <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> you didn't check with us about blocking a shot. What we can do is let you twist the ankle <laughs> and uh, hyperventilate. We got you covered on that. <laughs>